This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome back, everybody, to 19 Cats and Counting. I'm your co-host, Linda Hall, and I am going to be bringing Rita Reimers, our host, on soon. And we have a guest that we are so excited about, Ingrid Johnson. If I read you her bio, we would finish off the half an hour, so I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you, you have to stay tuned and listen to everything this woman is doing for cats. So we'll take a brief pause for one of our amazing sponsors, who helps us to do this show and be here. Just hang on and we'll be right back. Looking for a dental treat that does more for your dog? Daily Dose is a two-in-one chew that pairs a daily dental scrub with powerful supplements to help with the biggest health concerns facing our dogs. Daily Dose was developed by vets to be simple to use and super effective. Plus, dogs love the taste. Available for joint, skin, heart health, or calming. Daily Dose, your pet's daily dose of awesome. Visit yourpetsdailydose.com to save $3 on your first bag with promo code PETLIFE. That's yourpetsdailydose.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Everybody, welcome back. It's Linda Hall here with 19 Cats and Counting. Host Rita, are you here? I'm with you and I am so excited and happy to be talking with our next guest, Ingrid Johnson. I have long followed her career unbeknownst to her. Um, we have a lot of things in common. We both belong to the IAABC, that's the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. Ingrid is into so many things cat. Let's introduce her and get the party started. Hey, Ingrid. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Oh, we're Thank so excited. You for coming. Yes. Absolutely. So, I mean, you're doing behavior work. You're working in a vet hospital. You're you're doing it all. You're a busy lady. I have a lot of plates spinning at one time. Yeah, I'm also a feline <laughs> groomer, and I make my own line of toys and oh, litter boxes and vertical space. Yeah, we got a lot we got going on. This right. is Awesome. Tell you us about the like toys. Me. Many years ago, before food puzzles, aka foraging toys, were as popular as they are now, thankfully, I'm glad the market did catch up. I actually made my own line of toys for a long time because I needed to fulfill a niche that didn't exist in the market. Oh my gosh. Another thing we have in common because we are working yes. on a line of toys ourselves. Yes. Oh, awesome. oh, okay. Well, excellent. So I just decided to, you know, I mean, I was really small beans back then and I, I couldn't, you know, manufacture anything and now sure. I don't have time. So I basically just, you know, sit on my deck on Sundays and draw holes in plastic. If I can find a cute object, I make it into a food puzzle. And it just morphed into my own little line of toys. It's They're available on my website. They're very inexpensive. I see. I'm looking at it right now. Awesome. Oh, well, fantastic. Thank you. And um, we sell them at the vet practice where I work full time. But we also carry many, many commercially available food puzzle toys as well. And a lot of my toys really complement the commercially available toys. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it takes away from anyone's sure. sales. They just all can work together. I'm a big proponent of food puzzle toys. You know, something that mimics the 
hunting behaviors, you know, our cats, they get food so easily, you know, these days from us. And sometimes Absolutely. their hunting skills don't get uh, used effectively. I actually am a proponent of something I'll call pegs, which is something around mealtime that we do play behavior, which is mimicking for hunting for prey. So that would fit in nicely with the pea in my uh, repertoire. And then, of course, the next thing was the couch would be eating. And then, of course, then they groom just like out of nature to get yeah. all of their food scent off of them. And then lastly, they go to sleep to digest all that good protein. And I always suggest to pet parents they do that before they head off to work. And then again at night, just before they want to go to bed. So they get Absolutely. their cats ready for sleep. So, yeah, yeah I'm happy I to proudly, recommend your choice to I our I have not had um, bowls of dry food in my house in thir 14 years that's amazing so, they only they, you only get a bowl if you're sick and you know you're i'm chasing you around and begging you to eat but yeah. <laughs> sweet for everything. and you know i tell people don't underestimate your cats because so many people are like, oh my cat won't do that oh my cat's lazy I'm like no i have had two front leg amputees i've had three completely toothless cats Aww. i've had two cats that had hind end paralysis had to express their urine and feces and they were master foragers. They could get food out of anything. I had a, a blind cat and a 19-year-old that lived with me for her last year of life or her last 11 months. And she learned how to forage just for fun. Of course, she got catered to. Yeah, of course. Too. And I have a 21-year-old in my house that will still do the behavior. So... Oh Don't underestimate your cats. Oh, agree. So, agree. Well, they're so smart. They can break into my cupboards in my closet. I'm sure they can handle that. <laughs> they're, right. they're foraging all au naturel. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The they, we don't require it of them. We don't trigger their instincts. They get lazy and they don't do it. Like my Smokey, sometimes he'll be sitting right next to the bowl of food he likes and he looks at me. I'm like, what? Use your hunting prowess. It's right next to you. Hello. <laughs> But we don't require our, of them or we, you know, baby them and they know we're going to do that. They're not going to go out of their way to do what they don't have to do. We have to encourage that behavior. We do. And another key component to making it successful is cats will rarely forage for food that has been easily available. So it, it, if you're going to teach the behavior, or you're trying to get this going in your household. Novelty is key to use of the toy. They will rarely ever work for something that's been free. I mean, why would you? That's Good point. Good point. Yes. Your cat with no teeth. I'm approaching this problem as I adopted an unadoptable amazing cat who was FIV positive, is FIV positive, mm -hmm. and we're down to six teeth left. And I keep saying, how is he going to eat when the last of them are gone? It, oh, not a problem, huh? Not a problem. Teeth are overrated. They don't have to kill their own prey. <laughs> That's they true. They can eat their canned food. If they don't like canned food, they will gum on it or suck on it or swallow the dry hole. One of my three toothless cats did not eat canned food his whole life. It was never his preference. I could never, ever beg him That's to eat hysterical. it. And he always ate dry. And in fact, he would forage the, the TD, the, the Hills Dental Kibble, right out of the food puzzles and suck those oh down, too. Oh, my gosh. That's so, awesome. Teeth are basically ancillary. Cats uh, have so many extra parts. You know, they really only need three legs as well. They do great <laughs> on three. Yeah. Yeah. I, ha I have a three-legged. Rita's got a three-legged. She's yeah. a hopper. She's so funny. She's she hops like a bunny and she runs faster than the four-legged cats, I think. She kind of yeah. propels herself forward to make up for that missing leg. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't know she's missing a leg. They Things really don't care. I mean, they don't yeah. have the mental stipulations that come along with these different handicaps that people sure. have. And it's really right. remarkable. They're, they're really a good teachers in resiliency. Yes. 
Yeah, they're not looking down saying, my leg, my leg. Yeah, yeah. Just keep going. That's right. Well, looking through all the things you're involved with, one cause that's near and dear to my heart is the anti-declaw movement. I'm so proud to see more and more cities are outlawing decline. Unfortunately, no decline happens. You know, way back when I was a child, that's what you did. You got a cat, you got a decline. That's what you yeah. did. But these days, people are more educated about exactly how bad that is for your cat. Yeah, I mean, it's a big passion of mine, and I'm proud that I work for No Declaw Facility, one of the very few in the state of Georgia. And we do offer paw repair as well for cats that have had that have remnants. Um, we're not declawed, quote unquote, properly, um, which there really is no proper way to declaw a cat because you shouldn't do it. But when they're done with guillotine style, you know, dog nail trimmers, you don't necessarily get the whole bone. And if the whole bone is not removed, they can be left with bony remnants. And in dogs and cats, nail grows from bone. So if there's a bony remnant left behind, they can have regrowth of the nail underneath the skin. And that's very painful. It's like walking with a pebble in your shoe, but under every digit. That's when you start getting the behavior issues that go along with some declawing procedures. Yeah, that's certainly one for sure. I mean, we have to remember that the paws are one of the most sensitive parts of a cat's body. They have more nerve endings in their paw pads than anywhere else. And then we amputate, we give them a 10 toe amputation and we ask them to walk on pellet cat litter and we pee on our bed. You know, my parents, I told the story because it was, I was my proud behavior moment in channeling Rita after working (laughs) with her for so long. They called last winter, the cat was peeing on their bed. They vacationed or they winter in Florida. And I said, have you changed cat litters? Yeah, they had. And I've often thought when they adopted that cat, it was declawed. And I thought, you know, I'll bet you that just really hurt. Whatever the new one was that they got, it was supposed to be lighter. And I think that it just really affected because he all of a sudden he wasn't going to go in the litter box. He was going on their bed and there was no talking him out of it. So they switched back and he was fine. And I thought, you know, that's sore. If you've known anybody with people amputations, you know, it's tender there. It's the feeling is amplified. Uh, they get ghosts pains and yeah I can't imagine they live with chronic neuropathic pain and they live with chronic back pain and they get muscle atrophy in their in their back and shoulders because they never get to do that kind of downward facing dog stretching motion that that Uh is necessary to condition their muscles so you know and and on the note of your family member there I mean abrupt change of cat litter is another really great way to create litter box avoidance yes not switching cat's cat litter period yes Yeah. And, and people don't know it. And that's why I'm just, I'm so passionate about this and excited, you know, Rita somehow, and I I don't know if you have this problem too. She seems to think that a lot of this is common sense because she knows it and has observed it. And I'm like, no, no one knows this. I know I'll say something and I'll be like, doesn't everyone know that? Linda goes, no, not everybody knows that. And I'm like, all right. I find myself during my lectures, I, you know, I speak at veterinary conferences and, you know, vet hospitals and shelters and whoever will have me and and is interested. And I, I find myself grazing over some of the information. Sometimes I'm sitting there, I'm speaking to veterinarians and technicians and I'll flip through a few slides like, oh, you know, you guys know this stuff. And they're like, no, 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 go back. And they're trying to take pictures of my slides. And, you know, I, I forget that there's somebody in that audience that's maybe only worked as a vet tech for a couple months and I've been doing it for 21 years. And so there's things that I'm going over that, yeah, to me is common knowledge. And I feel like it's boring for them, but you've been doing this for 21 years. You only look like you're 21. Oh, you are super. <laughs> now, really, we we pulled up your picture, and I was like, "She looks so young." I didn't have her picture that young, and then yeah, she's been doing this for twenty years. 
That's so funny. You know, I went to a house call. It was probably about two years ago. And when I was leaving, there were two teenage daughters. And they're like, we thought you were going to be like an old lady. <laughs> I was like, like, there's pictures all over social media, my website. Like, it's really, it's not like I'm hiding myself. I mean, right. Right, my cats, but I'm, I mean, I'm very much there. I'm in the videos, you know, and yes. I'm like, gosh, you guys didn't put much research into this. Hi, <laughs> hey. That was my first comment. Oh my gosh, she's so young and pretty. We complimented oh, you. But yeah, typical cat lady, yeah. unfortunately, lives in many people's minds and one that's one thing that I want to change. I don't like the crazy cat lady moniker because of the image it conjures up. You know, it really does. You know, I had um another vet in the area that um very very kindly once said that I was a classy cat lady, and I was like, I'll take, I'll take that'll it. That'll work. Um, we'll take but, that one. Yeah. yeah, I really want to disprove the theory that just because you have cats, that your your home has to be dirty and you have like you know wads of fur, yes, your bathrobe, and you just yeah. Look like a nut nutso person like i'm like i mean i'm into alternative rock music and i like to dance and i like yeah. black and you know like, yeah I'm, exactly I'm yeah not, the, first, um, the first time i went to rita's home it was kind of a joke because she had 19 i knew years. you were gonna like this yeah one. you know i, was gonna tell I had and, 20 at the time and, oh yeah 20 at the time and she's like I, I don't think it smells like keep it clear i don't think it smells and i thought of that commercial you've gone nose blind you know yeah. and i went in there and i was like no man she keeps up 19 cats this is her 20 at the time this is amazing it does my home vet was amazed he's like i expected some kind of smell but there's nothing well, that's that's wonderful to hear. I mean, I that's uncommon and yeah. it's necessary. I think that we're in a position where we have to set the example and people are like, why are you cleaning? It's Sunday. Just like enjoy. I'm like, because I have to clean my house. Like it yeah. has to happen. You know, yeah. I like you, I, I live in a cracker box. I live in a 1250 square foot house in yeah. a historic neighborhood. And at our maximum, we went to 17 three times. And every time we went to 17, we lost somebody within a month. So 16 oh. is our sweet spot. Oh, that's like yeah. me. 1920, 1920. It's the same yeah. year. Yeah. So I decided that going over 16 would never happen again because it was like a, a curse. And uh -huh. we, we also had three dogs, 40, 80 wow. and pounds. And so we managed 16 cats and three dogs in this little 1,250 square foot house for 12 years before we lost anyone. Uh, and that you know we were filmed for animal planet during that time the ajc was here during that time cat fancy mm -hmm. magazine came here and did a little spread on our enrichment mm -hmm. and you know you can't do that if your house is gross right well, yeah yeah and so i lived in about 1200 square feet before i bought this house and then in, when i lived in la for 10 years i was in about 950 and uh i had i think i had 17 yeah i had 17 when i left la and it didn't smell because you're right. You've got to be ready for people that want to come. And then at the time I was running my cat sitting business and the last step in the interview with, with pet sitters was they had to come to my house and let my cats judge them. So, <laughs> the cats uh, judging me. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that if your house smells bad. And, That's right. Uh, I mean, I've left a house call and I've had clients follow me home to wow. see how I set things up. Really? Oh my gosh. So, you know, it. it's, you should be able to stick your hand in that litter box and not be repulsed. It's yeah. not, I mean, of course somebody could poop, you know, everyone's poop yeah. stinks. You poop in water, your cats, yeah. poop. maybe they don't cover, they walk away. There's going to yeah. be a fragrance, but. Oh, tell me about, like, have you ever no. about to have somebody walk in your house and somebody takes the poop right there in the, in the litter that's closest to the door? Why yep. is that? Yep. That's just luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Or they wait. Somebody posted on one of the boards the other day, you know, does everybody's cat stalk them while they're cleaning the box? And I'm like, yeah, honey, they're waiting for you to finish so they can poop in there and make you scoop that up, too. Uh, I have the, I have those that follow me around. I call them the inspectors. Yeah. It might be a good indicator, though, that that person might need more litter boxes or bigger ones. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. If they're waiting at the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is true. Do we need uh-huh. to take a break, Rita? Um, let me see. We absolutely do need to take minutes. a little break, but we'll be right back. Corp Chats, his coat is very thick. He's an Akita, German Shepherd, Lab, Husky Mix, Harold, the Border Collie Pit Mix. He has the most beautiful jet black coat. Stuart, my rat carrier, has fur now where he never had it before. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite will give them a beautiful, lustrous coat. It will make you smile. You get some Dynavite, how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you to our sponsors who make this happen. I'm Linda Hall, your co-host here with Rita and the amazing Ingrid Johnson. We're learning a lot, so we can pick back up. So you're in the Georgia area. Yes, I live in downtown Atlanta. That's awesome. So I love seeing people in different areas, you know, so that the world is covered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to spread it around. It's it's much needed, which is one of the problems we ran into when Rita was doing in-home. You know, how far are you willing to travel to help someone? You know, we do a few Skype things, but it's always nice to get a feel for the house. Right. And I, I have sadly, because of COVID, have stopped doing house calls right now. I think it'll, I, it might be to the end of the year before I pick them back up, honestly. Yeah. Um, we'll just have to see how this all pans out. But I well, I would actually travel 45 minutes to an hour in one direction if they were willing to, to pay a distance fee for me to go yeah. that far. I did but the same. I, I'm pretty packed considering I only have two days a week where I do consults because I do work a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So those yeah. two days a week are generally jam-packed with families that need help. And um, I find the house calls are really helpful because I can see the home environment. But thanks to technology, I always get a video of the home me as too. well as the behavior questionnaire. Yep. Um, yes. So it really gives me a chance to see the scope of the home and what's being offered so I can critique it. What do you Um, find is the biggest problem in the homes that you're going into? Litter boxes. Nobody wants to put them in the places where they're most needed. We want to hide them instead of hiding them. We need to keep them spotless and put them in areas where we frequent. And then I would just say overall competition for resources. Too many people want to use cutesy little bowls and line everybody up in the kitchen to eat. And that's not uh, how cats eat. Yeah. Well, Linda, you, how you've seen works. how I feed my cats. And yes. you know, I have all the bowls lined up and filled. And then I, you know, certain cats eat in certain spots. And they, they know that. And they go to their spots. And I know who likes which food. And, uh, yeah, it's quite a spectacle. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't have cats that jump up on the counter or meow or get excited about mealtime because I don't restrict food. I make them work for their food, but they nice. always have access. Cats eat nine to 16 small, evenly sized meals a day. So there's no like breakfast and dinner here. I put out canned food in the morning. I put out canned food at night and we graze on it throughout the day. That's what I do. Exactly what I do. Yes. It gives them yeah. a chance to just eat when they want, where they want, whatever room they want. 
And if they yes. don't like the flavor I dished up today, or they don't like the, you know, or it gets dried and crusty, or it's all eaten, they can walk over to a food puzzle and, and work at that. Mm-hmm. And then there's no ravenous, heightened aroused state around mealtime. Uh, too many people want to restrict their cat's access to food, particularly to get them to lose weight, which I find just slows oh. them and frustrates them. I uh, know. Yeah. Can I tell you about a client I used to have as a pet sitter? First, I was her pet sitter. And then when I had to take myself off the road, one of our sitters took over. She fed wet and dry twice a day, which is great. But I had to actually physically count out the number of pieces of dry food that each cat got. And then I had to stand there and make sure that each cat ate their allotment and only their allotment. And then the wet food, she actually had a scale. I had to put the bowl on the scale, set it back to zero to take the little tear for the bowl, and then fill it up to like each bowl had to weigh a certain amount. So they each got a certain amount of wet food. It was just craziness. And those cats were starving. Yeah, and it just, when we restrict food like that, we create such a heightened aroused state around the meals that we create Mm -hmm. so much frustration and then the scarf and barf and the aggression from competition. And the thing that I hear most from clients is, well, they do fine with it. They all eat. Like, well, food is the highest value resource you're offering your cat. So Mm -hmm. they have to push through the stress to eat. That doesn't mean they're enjoying it. I had another client that um, her vet recommended she not feed dry food anymore. I don't really know the reason why, but she was feeding her cats this little teeny amount of wet food after she cut out the the dry. And, you know, I'd go there and be like, you know, there's nothing in the litter to scoop. And she's like, yeah, I wonder why is there nothing in the litter to scoop? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say her name. I almost did. I'm like, well, (laughs) I'll tell you why, because they don't have anything to poop out because you're giving them such a little bit of amount to eat. They're using everything. And then I would get there to feed them and they would be literally climbing the walls waiting for me to put the food down. But after I told her that, to her credit, she started feeding a much larger portion of wet food and all of that subsided. But thankfully, she asked me and so many times as a cat sitter, I can suggest, but there's times I can't really as a when I'm in there as a behaviorist, I can suggest things. But you know, as a cat sitter, there's not that much you can you well, can that's, say you brought up a good point, too, because people sometimes get worried about what their cats are ingesting or producing and mm-hmm. protein makes urine. So if they're going to feed a lot of cans, you're going to see more urine in the box and you're going to see your cat drink less water because mm-hmm. they're getting the moisture that they need through their quote unquote prey, which is their canned food. Right. If they're going to eat mostly dry food. You're going to get more feces. Dry mm-hmm. makes carbs, okay. makes feces. Even if it's a high protein, low carbohydrate dry, it's still a bowl of cereal. So yeah. you're going to get more fecal material with that. And then they're going to also need to drink more water because now they're not going to get as much moisture in their life because they're eating mostly dry food. So I do recommend that we try to offer both and try to feed both if the cats like it. But we have right. to feed what they enjoy and some cats don't like certain textures. I had a cat, Colby. He's passed away now, but he would only eat dry. He wouldn't eat wet yeah. food. Yeah, which is I've so funny to me because like my cats act like wet food is cheesecake and the dry food is, you know, the broccoli and, you know, we'll eat it because we want it and it's there, but we're waiting for the cheesecake. So I can't imagine a cat ignoring I've ate and they're all wet food uh, starved or they act like it. Well, that's good, though, because at least they like it. It's very hard to tempt yeah. cats and to nurse cats that are sick that will only eat dry food. It's hard to to really, you know, dangle the delicious carrot in front of them and tempt their appetite. So 
you know, roll with that. Cause I've had many dry only eaters and they're yeah. tough. To, they're tough to nurse. Yeah. No kidding. So you what said, do you, you do Ingrid when you have a, an overweight cat in a home with, you I know, was Rita, just Rita's gonna ask got, that. Rita, I thought of Gigi. Rita's got this Gigi who is just such a chunk. She's, I mean, it's funny. She's, she's cute, but she's really overweight, but you know, we've, she said, how do you restrict that cat without the other 18 being restricted? You know? Right, right. So, you know, what I typically will do in a household like that, I'm willing to bet there's a couple of others that could probably use to scale a bit off their waistline as well. Oh, there's probably uh-huh. just the one that's like the star of the Chunky right. Monkey Show. You're yeah. so, exactly right. Um, Peanut is uh, quickly becoming the next star of the yeah. overweight crowd. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feed for the, the masses and I would feed a high protein, low carb, dry food in I the do. most challenging food puzzles that they can muster. And that means usually sticking with rolling puzzles, like the ones you see that I make on my website, rolling mm-hmm. puzzles are going to provide more effort to get the food out. And you can also do what I call double stuffing them. So one of the things with my little toys is like, I'll fill the ping pong ball and put it inside a cube, or I'll fill an egg in a ping pong and put it inside a cup, or I'll fill three ping pongs mm. and put it inside the long gear. So the food is it's there, but they've got to work a lot harder and a lot longer to get those pieces. And those pieces are high protein, low carb. And then of course the canned also high protein, low carb. Right. So I feed that to the bulk in the group of the cats. And then if you've got some skinny kids or you've got some sickly old codgers that maybe need extra calories, or maybe they need a prescription kidney diet or something. I have a special, couple of those too. Yeah. yeah. Those cats get what's called a sure feed. Are you familiar with the sure flap company? No. Tell me oh. more about that. Well, fantastic. Okay, so there's a company called SureFlap.com. That's their website. And um, they make pet doors and other microchipped controlled devices. And they make a product called a SureFeed. And that allows only the cat whose microchip you've granted permission oh, to yeah. enter that bowl. I have yeah. seen those. Yes. Okay. So like my 21 year old, she can eat whatever she wants. She is at the life stage where I don't care if she lives on temptations as her dry food, you know, that is, we've gotten to that point now. I mean, up until even just a few months ago, we were still working on prescription dry and junky mm-hmm. canned, but now she's on junky pretty much everything. <laughs> and so, you know, that's okay. I mean, she's, she's made it to, you know, 106 or what have you. So yeah. she actually has two sure feeds that are just for her. None of my other cats are ever going to get a chance to taste fancy feast. They are not going to eat any junk food. So they get their good food. They get their hills and their Royal Canaan. And then, um, you know, if she wants to forage, she can no problem, but yes. she doesn't have to. So awesome. I meet the special needs that way. Yes, I love You know, that. I have trouble getting my guys to eat anything but fancy feasts. I have three of them that like Royal Canaan, but I've tried every wet food under the sun. My vet told me as long as they're eating the fancy feast that not to worry about it, but... I worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would. And I um, we have little tricks with how we get cats transitioned. But once they get a taste of the junk, they don't go back. And it's so mm-hmm. hard. And the cats, as soon as they cross the threshold here, they never see that food again. So they yeah. don't. Um, and a lot of them come to me, you know, they're they're injured. They've been, you know, hit by yeah. a car or they've right. been attacked by a coyote or they're from oh. hard knocks. And so they're just happy to have food. So they get started off right on Hills and Royal Canaan, and they only see the junk if I need to give them something special for tempting them. My yeah. sweetie pie won't touch Fancy Feast anymore. All she'll eat is the Royal Canaan. 
Well, that's great. That's yeah. a good problem to have. I wish I could but get them all to do that. He has a sophisticated palate. <laughs> well, yes. And um, one little trick that we do at our office, and you have to speak with your veterinarian about this, of course, but temporarily, and I know this seems counterintuitive, but we do this particularly for the cats that need to switch to a therapeutic diet. For example, we have urinary crystals and we have to get off the fancy feast. Mm-hmm. We have to get onto a prescription urinary diet or we have an overweight cat. We want to get them to lose weight. We will actually give them a little appetite stimulant. We'll get them transitioned to the new diet by making them hungry enough to accept the diet change. Mm-hmm. And then we will wean them off the stimulant and poof, your transition has occurred. That's a great oh, that's idea. Awesome. What a great idea. It I works most of the time. Most I'm in, yeah. I'm in the midst of taking a pet nutrition course right now, but of course, there's nothing like anecdotal information from somebody who lives it every day like you do in the vet's office. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a daily conversation and it's a big battle we're having these days with food and everyone's an expert. Everyone is very passionate about what they feed their cats. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, we searched high and low when we adopted our Warren. He has, I don't know what it is, sensitive gut, I guess, that we tried everything after everything. And he would have the worst diarrhea. And he would run to the litter box, but it always, like, drop. And as he walks away, you could see his trail of poopy butt. You know, it was really attractive. And so we had to search and search. And I've got a Royal Canaan digestive one that he likes that has stopped the poop. So... I'm scared to bring anything else into the house because I don't want to go through that again. As long yeah, as the Royal Canin GI diets are just second to none. They have done a really great job with their GI diets. We've had cats that have been having GI upset for, you know, they come see us as like a fifth opinion. And in a couple of days, they're mm-hmm. still normal on the GI. Yes. Diet. Yeah, it, it was just finding the right food. And then boom, we were done. It just stopped yeah. that quickly. And I said, well, we're going to take stock in this. We're going to load up the house and we're <laughs> never turn away because I don't want to deal with that again. Right. But if he was young, sometimes that's also a kitten thing and the diarrhea would subside regardless with maturity. We see that too. He was just over a year old. So yeah, I've often said, I wonder if things have regulated now, if, you know, sometimes the the diarrhea gets wiped out and then they need to rebuild that flora in their gut and, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm too scared to test the water. I don't blame you. If it's not broke, don't you fix it, right? Yeah. That. Well, he's eating a good food, it. so. Yes, yes, and, and he'll eat it. So, yeah, we just knock wood and keep going. And I've said if he ever decides he doesn't like that and he's sick of it, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do, cry. <laughs> <laughs> You'll go to a prescription GI food. There you go, yes, yes. Yes. So Ingrid, I know one of the other things you work with a lot, like I I have two going to people's homes is environment enrichment. And especially as a pet sitter, myself and my staff have seen so many homes when you walk into, you wouldn't even know a cat's there. There's no toys. There's no vertical space. There's nothing. What is the single best thing or a couple of things that a cat owner can do to provide an environment that helps a cat to thrive? So that's that's a great question, but I think I first want to address that there's a movement and perhaps you've, you've heard some of these murmurs um, in the community, but calling it environmental enrichment, it implies that we're providing something extra. Uh And, you know, my lecture on environmental enrichment, I actually went so far as to scratch out the word enrichment intentionally and wrote necessities over top of it in red. Yeah, I agree with that. That's so true. Because, you know, you don't get a prize for giving your cat a scratching post. (laughs) You know, you don't get any kind of, you know, accolades for providing toys or a cat condo. Mm -hmm. These are basic necessities if you have a cat. 
So I think the term enrichment is a bit misused or maybe misunderstood. Like people think that they're like the best pet parent on the planet because they've got a cat condo. I'm like, but you have a cat. Cats need vertical space. (laughs) So you're just doing it right. You know, so I think that that's an important point. And, you know, if we're going to call it enrichment, I think that it means that we're going a bit above and beyond. And we're maybe doing things like like building a catio so your cat can go outside. That is a little bit more of a, a step beyond what the average pet parent or what is a bare bones basic that you should be offering. Maybe you've trained your cat to a leash and harness and you're taking them out on, on nature walks now or you're t- spending quality time in the yard on walks. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're clicker training your cat and doing some advanced training to give them some mental stimulation. I think doing some things above and beyond scratching post litter boxes, some cat toys and and some wand toys. I think that's where enrichment actually starts to come in. And I think that we need to elevate our expectations of the cat. And mm-hmm. we get a puppy and we train him to a collar and a leash and we get a kitten and we do none of those things. And we wonder why at age three, they right. lay down when you put a harness or a collar on them and they're freaked yeah. out. Start training your cats when they're young to engage in these behaviors so that they can have a better quality of life and more experiences throughout life. We got to teach them young. I've seen more and more people putting their cats on harnesses. And I have to admit that, you know, seven, eight years ago, I was aghast by that. But me too. You and too. Like, do it. <laughs> I've come around. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, God, please. Oh, God, heartworm. Oh, what if they got loose? Right. Now yes. I'm like, all right, we're all going out in the yard. Pour a cocktail, grab a beer. And, you know, Jake and I go out there. We look like lunatics. I have a cat feline flyer, the feather toy, yeah. or the cat tamboo, the six-foot-long thing. Mm-hmm. And I am running in circles with a cocktail in my hand, playing with my cats in the yard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it. Yeah, My neighbors you see too. me out there with 19 of them. I'm 19. <laughs> right. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> the maximum we had out at one time is six. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't try to try to handle too many. Oh, ones. I know. I wouldn't do all at once. I just thought that was a funny image. But yeah, I guess- yeah, no, that would be nuts. But I do four t- t- pretty typically at a time because I have four that really love it. So those four always go. Mm-hmm. And if somebody else, you know, and if my 21 year old decides to come out, I'm like, that's fine. You can just tool around. You don't even need a harness. Where are you going to go? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're just out there. We're supervising. I drop the leashes and I let them drag them behind them. They're brightly colored so I can quickly find everybody right. and we play. And it's a great uh-huh. place to play when you live in a tiny house. Yes. What made you decide to brave it, Ingrid, and, and go ahead? And, and what was that first experience like taking one of wow. your out? That's a really great question. <laughs> and I, I don't get to talk about it a lot, um, except for, for my behavior cases. So the last two naughty boys that I brought into my home, they're cats number 27 and 28 for us. Oh. Um, not currently. We have seven cats at the moment. No, I know. You're counting. 27th yeah, and 28th that we have rescued. And, and once they cross the threshold, I, I can't foster. They never leave. <gasps> so oh gosh, you're just like me. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So they, we had a really hard time integrating them and creating harmony in the house. And I was like, we need to amp up this entire introduction protocol. And so I decided that we needed a more stimulating environment. So we were not so focused on each other and a higher value activity. So I took the victim cats and the aggressor cats, basically the new guys and the old guys, 
I took them out on the leash and harnesses and we played outside so that we didn't care so much about each other anymore. We were like eating grass and watching the birds and playing feather time. And it was a much more engaging environment. So they weren't so focused on each other. And it quickly happened where we only go outside together. We don't go outside separately. So this activity is something that we do together to try to get get along better. This is awesome. It's worked for everyone but my shy female who doesn't like to go outside and is, you know, her personality is part of the problem. So she... Sadly, still doesn't get along with the tabby duo, but yeah, like, uh, my brownie and Picasso, n- neither one of them would venture out. I- I'm lucky I see them. They're they're my cat's cats. They're right. not really mine. Yes, yeah. yes. 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 <laughs> that cat we keep for the other cat. Yeah, I have one of those. Well, we've run over a little bit on our time, which I love when we do that. That means we've really had some awesome conversation and some engaging topics going on. We're going to have to wrap up in a minute. (laughs) Yes, but we would love to have you back sometime. There's a million things we didn't cover. And if you have an event or something that we need to know about, please let us know. We'd love to have you back. And we could have done this for hours. Yeah. Thanks for having me and thinking of of having me on. It's been a very enjoyable experience. I'd be happy to do it again. I'd also love to give you a complimentary login to Club Catitude on my website. So you can see what that's all about. And when the game gets released, you can play that game with us. Although not fair, you know, all the answers. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I will will refrain from engaging, but I'll just walk to the sideline. Can we stump Ingrid? I think that's a great task. (laughs) I'm sure you can, you know, there's a lot we don't know about these little guys and there's a lot that hasn't been researched and has not been proven. And that's, I think, a frustrating thing for some clients is that we actually don't have all the answers because we don't yeah. have them yet. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Sometimes a situation will come up that we've never seen before. Like, I know we got to wrap up, but Linda had one, one of her devil cats decided to climb up her chimney, even though the flue was closed. I've never seen that. I've I've had 20 cats in my house where I had a fireplace and nobody ever crawled up there. And I'm like, huh. Well, I'm not sure what to do about that he one. <laughs> the escape artist has hit new heights. He's trying to scale the chimney now. And she's wow. like, well, yeah, there's a new one for me. <laughs> that's impressive. That's His impressive. name is Harry Houdini, fittingly. Yeah, and um, yeah, so <laughs> he's a pain. He's a lover, but he's a pain. So. Ingrid, I would love to have you back on. I would, yeah. uh, I would have everybody, I would say, go out and check out fundamentallyfeline.com. Take a look at all of the things that Ingrid talks about and her food puzzles. And um, I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Are um, you, uh, at, is it at Ingrid Johnson? Fundamentally Feline. On Fundamentally Feline. Feline. All right, we'll watch for that. Remember that, Fundamentally Feline. I'll be sure to put that in the write-up that goes with the show. And um, there's also a lot of free how-to videos on my website. So there's a lot awesome. of free help for clients. Love it. Great. I love those two. And I would love to thank you for being on the show. I'd like to thank Linda Hall for being my co-host as always, adding this little bit of extra sparkle to our show. That's my job. (laughs) Winter, our wonderful executive producer and owner of the platform we appear on, which is Pet Life Radio. And also, I'd just like to thank everybody who's been tuning in and giving us such positive responses to 19 Cats and Counting. And remember, until next time, every day is Catterday. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.